right, so if you turn your Bible, turn to James 5, 1 through 6. As you see, we're going to be talking about faith that seeks heavenly treasures over earthly treasures. We are now in the last chapter of James chapter 5. So after this lesson, we just got two more and we're done with James. So what a journey, you know, we've been on since January. I really, really hope you guys have been getting something out of it. Um, I personally have just by studying the word and just being challenged by many things here. I hope you've been getting something out of it as well. So we're going to get back in and we're going to talk about how our faith, genuine faith, seeks heavenly treasures over earthly treasures. And as you can see, the main idea there that I want to communicate is that Christians should store up treasures in heaven over earthly treasures. If you remember when the last time we was in James, James talked about the arrogance and pride that involved in planning life without dependence upon God. We talked about how James says as Christians, we should plan our future and plan our lives by saying, Lord willing, not knowing what time we would have and, and how time is just uh, um, like a breath amidst and all that kind of stuff. So here James is going from that to addressing rich people who trust in their own riches and live independently upon God. It's a warning to unbelievers who pursue wealth and it's comfort for Christians who deal with unbelievers who treat us, uh, you know, that treat us wrong. So not what we're going to learn here is about how it's a warning for unbelievers who are rich. But we're also going to see how this is a comfort for us as Christians when it comes to unbelievers treating us wrong. That's what we're going to learn about here. Now, when I talk about storing up treasures in heaven, I want to ask you guys a question. How do you think Christians store up treasures in heaven? Or another question would be, what kind of treasure do you think would be for us in heaven? Or when I say store up treasures in heaven, what do you think that looks like? What do you think that even is? What is storing up treasures in heaven? Yeah, I would say yep, yeah, a crown. Yep, yeah, for sure. Mm hmm. Yep. What gold that that gold? Gold, you said. Yeah. It it could be. It could be. I'm thinking of something. Yeah. Um, it it could be, but I'm, there's a word that I'm really looking at that I know the Word of God talks about. Okay. Right. As far as what we what do we earn? What will we earn? I guess in heaven as a result of how we lived our life in the here and now. We would earn rewards, right? Yes. So that's what I mean about storing up treasures in heaven. And let me ask you guys this question. So then what, what, is it, what is the one thing that we do as Christians that allows us to store up treasures in heaven in the here and now? What do you think that is? Hey, hey, uh, what what does when G, what does Jesus wants us to do as Christians? He wants us to what does he want us to do when it comes to his work? Huh? Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Yeah. What else? Uh, save people. Yep, that goes along with sharing the gospel. What else? Uh, when it comes to his word, Jesus says, "If you love me, you will keep my commands." Keep my commands. Yes. So it's obedience is what I'm what I was trying to get at. That's how we store our treasures in heaven is through our obedience in this life, doing what God wants us to do. Um, you know, whatever it is the Lord wants us to do, when we do it out of obedience to Christ, we store up treasures in heaven. And that's why, if you remember, Pastor Carl this morning talked about how it's going to be on that day where the works that we do on this earth is either going to be all burned up by fire 
or the stuff that was really lasting, the stuff that really mattered for the for God. That's the stuff that we're going to get rewarded for. That's the stuff that God is going to, you know, um, say, hey, this was a good job. This is worthy of me. This is what you here's your reward for what you've done. You see, so that's what it means as far as storing up treasures in heaven. And we're going to see that a, re, a genuine faith seeks heavenly treasures over earthly treasures. And you got to listen to everything that I say in this message, because if I if you get out of this message that it's a sin to be rich, then I have failed you. You know, so that that's that's not what I'm trying to say in this message at all. But we're going to see why James is bringing this up, because I'm not going to lie. Y'all, when I was studying this mess, I was like, why is James talking about this? Um, but I do believe I know why he's talking about it based off that. So it's good for us to understand this at our age, why it's important to seek heavenly treasures over earthly treasures of this world. So I'll start reading our text in James 5, 1 through 6, and then I'll share with you what I believe that James is teaching us from this passage. It starts out, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter and you have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. Now, when you read that, if, if you got this whiff, I definitely did. I was, I was studying it, yeah. that this is a bunch of doom and gloom. <laughs> and it is, but it's for a reason. Yeah. It serves for us as a warning as Christians about what wealth, the love of money can do in our life. That we do got to heed. Now, although James is talking about rich people, I believe he's particularly talking about unbelieving rich people. I don't believe he's talking about Christians who is rich. And you're going to see why as we go through this. But we're going to see why this message is still for us in that regard. So here's the first point that I think James is trying to teach us today. He, he shows us as the next slide, Michelle points out that the, he shows us the warning of the selfish pursuit of earthly wealth or earthly treasures. The warning of the selfish pursuit of earthly treasures. He warns us about what will happen to unbelievers in particular who lives their life to pursue all the wealth that they can get. That where God is their wealth. Notice what James says there in verse one. Now, listen, you rich people. Now, there's a reason why he said, now, listen, that means I need your attention. What I'm saying is important to you. You rich people weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Does anybody remember what a prophet was? We, we talked about that before, but does anybody remember what a prophet of God was? A prophet did two things. A prophet not only foretold the word of God, meaning that he proclaimed the word of God as God gave it to him. But the prophet also for, was able to um, foretell the word of God. And able, in other words, he was able to tell the future about what was going to happen. So when James issues that warning in verse one, he's acting as a prophet. James is acting as a prophet here because he's warning the unbelieving rich people about the judgment that is going to come to them in the future. Because all they was about was hoarding wealth selfishly for themselves. They're not going to they are going to experience God's wrath, but they're not going to experience his wrath just because they're rich. Because once again, the Bible does not say it's a sin to be rich. 
It, it is a sin, though, uh, when it comes to money being your God and you living your life and being controlled by wealth and money. Yeah. You know, the truth of the matter is the reason why it's not a sin to be rich is because don't you guys know that many people in the Bible were rich? You know, who, who are some people that you could think of right now off the top of your head in the Bible who God made really wealthy? Solomon. Yep. Solomon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who else? Yep. Um, um, Zacchaeus, yes, yes. I was like, I was, I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What else? Um, any, a few more if anybody can think of some. Um, I know, um, Job was definitely very wealthy. Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Luke might have been. I know he was a physician. I don't, I don't really know for sure. I'm pretty sure one of the disciples were like a tax collector. Mm hmm. Yeah, one was a tax collector, which, I, which in in that particular instance, you know, tax collectors was not didn't they, the people didn't like tax collectors because they off the time ripped people off so they could get rich, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today a little bit. But yeah, so that's why don't don't hear me, don't listen, don't uh, I, I'm trying not to communicate to you that it's a sin to be rich because it's not a sin to be rich, but it, it is a sin when you use your wealth selfishly for yourself. And that's what James is condemning in these passages of scriptures. So it's not because of their wealth that these wealthy unbelievers are going to experience the wrath of God. It is because of their sinful attitude about their wealth that they are going to be judged by God. You know, many people think in the Bible that the Bible teaches that the money is the root of all evil. But that's not true, right? Yep. You go ahead. Yes, absolutely. See, and that's right. You see, you know, I've, I've known people who've thrown that in my face and said, well, if, if, if uh, money is the root of all evil, why does the church collect money and all that kind of stuff? And I had to correct them. No, it's the love of money. And that's what James is condemning once again. In 1 Timothy 6.10, that's what it says. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So the problem that James was addressing here was the problem of the rich people loving their wealth more than they loved God. Therefore, because they loved their wealth, they ignored God and the needs of other people. And they selfishly pursued wealth for themselves. And this is why James condemns these rich unbelievers and tells them to weep and wail because of the misery that's coming upon them. They will not go unpunished by God because God is indeed a just God who gives each of us all what is due to us unless we repent and come to know Christ. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, right? He says, either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You just can't do it. So this reminds us that as Christians, our first loyalty should be to the things that cannot be, that can't fade, that can't be stolen, that can't be used up, and that can't be wore out like earthly treasures. No, our loyalty should be to Jesus Christ as we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness by which we store up treasures in heaven. Nothing is wrong, once again, with being rich or, you know, accumulating wealth and all that. But it's the, the attitude that is behind it. James issues a stern warning to those who place their trust in earthly wealth that they will be judged by God. Therefore, it's not worth it to selfishly pursue wealth for yourself And that leads me to the next point that James, I believe, is getting at in our next 
passage of scripture. The worthlessness of the selfish pursuit of wealth. Pursuing wealth selfishly is worthless. And we're going to see why. James, after warning the rich of their selfish pursuit of wealth, explains why the selfish pursuit of wealth is worthless. Notice what he says there in verse two. Your wealth has rotted and moths has eaten your clothes. You know, in, when we think about riches in our day, what do we think about? We think about somebody that got a big house, right? Yeah. We think about somebody that has millions of dollars yeah. or somebody that has nice cars. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, or you know, Bill Gates and you know all that kind of stuff. Where in America, we we look at rich uh, treasures and riches as people who got out of abundance of things. But in James' day when he wrote this, one was considered wealthy when they had land and when they had a lot of produce from their land. So this is why James mentions that their wealth has rotted and moss has eaten their clothes. Because this reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, 21, where he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in it and steal it. And that's so true. You know, some of the stuff that we have, it can, we can easily have it for somebody to take it away from us. But Jesus says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you know why Jesus said that last point? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also? Here's why he said that. It is because what we treasure most oftentimes controls us. That's why Jesus says that. If possession or money became more important to us than God, then that is going to cause problems in our life because all we're going to be caring about is money. You know, and we're not going to care about anyone or anything else. The truth of the matter that Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that reason why living your life for the whole pursuit of wealth is worthless because wealth is only temporary. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. This is why we should value eternal treasures over temporary earthly treasures, because we cannot take our treasures with us when we die. Right. You can have a million dollars. But when you die, what are you going to be able to do with that million dollars? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) You know. Therefore, it's foolish to selfishly hoard wealth for yourselves. This is why James goes on in verse three by saying your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire because you have hoarded wealth in these last days. Does anybody know what is referred to there when it talks about the last days? What is referred to that there? <laughs> Jesus returned. Yes. <laughs> I know. Hey, he was trying to help you out. That's good. <laughs> but yes, we are in the last days. I'm not saying that just because we're closer and closer to the time that Jesus is coming back, which is true. Every day that goes by is the day closer for Jesus coming back, even though we don't know that. But we've been in the last days ever since the Pentecost, you know, when Jesus ascended into heaven and brought the Holy Spirit on his people. So that's what he's condemning here, because that's all that these rich unbelievers were cared about was hoarding wealth for themselves. How many of you guys ever seen that show called Hoarders on TV? I don't know what channel that was um, on. TLC. TLC. Yeah, Um, it was. That was bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of that you would see on there. Yeah, 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 just the way people's houses were and stuff. Uh, And. 
you know, it was called hoarders for a reason, if you've seen it, because that's what people did. They just hoarded all kinds of stuff, you know, and just had no use for it, really, or much of it. They thought they did, but it hoarded stuff and it caused problems eventually down the road. That's what was going on here. In the judgment, their hoarded, rotted, and moth-eaten and corroded treasures will give graphic testimony to the unregenerate states of their hearts. That's what John MacArthur said. That's why it said their corrosion will testify against you because it was showing proof that they did not belong to Jesus and it was going to rot with them. Therefore, their corrosion will eat their flesh like fire because it is here referring to the reality of hell. And here's what it says in Proverbs 23, 4 through 5. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Boy, how many people in this world are wearing yourself out by trying to get rich, you know? I mean, there, there's all kind of ways people are trying to do that. Lottery tickets um, or, or just, you know, trying to just, um, you know, do all, just other, all kind of stuff to just kind of where it makes them wore out because that's all their life is about. They're wore out mentally and physically because all their life is just about how, how getting rich. Yeah, workaholics. Everything, you know, on the back burner so they can strive to make more money. Mm-hmm, right, absolutely. Yeah, there's people that's like that. You know, oh, I got to work or oh, no vacation time, no, no nothing. And that's a miserable way to live. I mean, I, I, miserable way to live. You, yes, you got to work hard, but not in that way where you're just putting everything on, on the back burner like Dennis was saying. But Proverbs 23, 4 through 5 says, don't worry yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. You see, in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. You know, that's another proof why the pursuit of wealth selfishly is worthless. Pursuing wealthy selfishly is absolutely worth it because here's what Jesus says. in I mean, is worthless because here's what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit or lose their soul? You can have it all. You can gain the whole world, but in the end, lose your soul. And what would it all have been worth? It? What would it all have been worth? That's why Solomon said in the Bible that everything is absolutely meaningless without God. And he had it all. Bless you. So the truth of the matter is this. The reason why uh, it's, uh, it's worthless to selfishly pursue wealth of this world, because uh, the, oh, you can have all the wealth in the world. But it won't matter if it causes you to lose your soul. So here's the last thing James is showing us in this passage of scripture. He's showing us the sinfulness of the selfish pursuit of earthly wealth, the sinfulness of it. Because now James goes from that talking about how wealth is only temporary to now describing specifically the sinful things that greed has caused these rich unbelievers to do. And it could cause us to do. If we're not careful, if we don't have our hearts in check when it comes to that. Notice what James says in verse four. He says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. So you see, James describes the sinful things that the rich has done. With their wealth. Here's the first thing they've done. They failed to pay the workmen who mowed their fields. Man, that's, and that's definitely sinful, right? Yeah. They did not pay the workers for the work that they did. 
What they did was not right. What they did was unjust. I don't know a single person in here who would do some work and not expect to get paid for it as far as when you're working at a job and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I don't think nobody in here, uh, depending on what it is, I understand all that, are, will be working for free. You know, you would if you was not getting paid fairly for the wages that you for the work that you've done, you would definitely consider it unjust as well. You'd be like, this is not right. And you'd be talking to somebody about it. Right. You'd be talking to your supervisor. You'd be talking to whoever it is, because you know that you're supposed to be getting paid such and such and they're holding it from you. So you see, that's why God says the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Because he does not forget when people are wrong. You better and you better understand that, especially when it comes to us as Christians. When people do us wrong, God does not forget. And unless they repent, that person or whoever it is repent that does us wrong, they will be judged by God for it. He does not forget. That's why Jesus says vengeance is of the Lord, not of us. He will take care of it. And we shouldn't put matters in our own hands. So the second thing that these rich people did was live in luxury while the poor workers remain poor. Isn't that unjust? I want to tell you something that reminds me exactly of what's happening in churches in America today, where you have these prosperity preachers who's to preach prosperity. God wants you to have this. God wants to do that. I need you to give me this amount of money. And they're getting rich. Yes. Right. Yes. No, that's good. Yeah. God's going to bless you. They're saying all this so that they can get your money. And they're the ones getting the nice houses. They're the ones getting the nice cars. And the, the people that they're serving are still in their same state. That's and it's a sin. It's a it's a horrible sin before God. And those people are going to be judged by it. But that's what's happening. And that's what's happening here. There's we have pastors and preachers that get rich and live in luxury while some people live in poverty. And that is just not the way of God. And James goes on to say, you have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. This is vivid language, but it's, it reminds us about how he depicts the self-indulgent hoarders as fattened calves who are, who are headed for the slaughterhouse of divine judgment. And apart from the saving faith in Christ, that is the reality that waits all those who don't believe in Christ and who, who, who exploit other people for their own gain. The implication, the last thing that the rich did was condemn and murder innocent people so that they could maintain their riches. Wow. You know, this goes to show you how wicked, evil people that whose heart is led by greed, how far they're willing to go for their own luxury, for their own gain, for their power. The implication is that the wicked rich were using the courts to judicially murder some and abuse poor. They sought to pervert the justice system and use it against the poor for themselves. James made it clear that the victims of these rich oppressors were innocent of any crime or wrongdoing. That's why James says there in the end of verse six, you have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. You, see, you know, innocent. You condemned and murdered innocent men. Um, that's why James mentioned that they're, they're clear of any crime or wrongdoing. Yet the rich still done them very wrong. That's why it says that the innocent men did not oppose them. Now, here's the question I want to ask as I get ready to bring in the clothes. You want to know why? I believe it's because if they were Christians that these rich people was doing wrong and they lived out the truth by which Jesus says in Matthew 5, 39 to 42, 
when he says this. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you or take your shirt, let him have your cloak also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Because you see, for the most of us, whenever we're wrong, what's our first reaction? To get even, <laughs> right? Most of us, we, we, we're, 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 I'm going to make, I'm going to give them what they did me or I'm, I'm going to make sure they pay. They do to me what I've done to them. That's most of our reaction because we're still in our flesh. You know, that's what our flesh wants to do. But instead, these people chose to do or what Jesus told them to do, which was do good to those that's wronged us. And I want to tell you guys something. We would all agree tonight that that is hard to do, right? That that's hard to do. So then how is it possible for us to do that as Christians? How is it possible? Anybody want to take a guess? Holy Spirit. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, right. <laughs> but that's absolutely right. We cannot do what God wants us to do when we are not walking in the Spirit. In our flesh, we will want to get even. But in the Spirit... We would do treat the people that wronged us the way that God wants us to when it comes to loving our enemies as Christ wants us to. Hard to do, but it's possible by the Holy Spirit. But I think the whole point that James is trying to reveal to us is just how sinful and wicked one man can become when there is greed in their heart and in whom God is their money. When it, I mean, who, who uh, money is their God and that's all they care about. They don't care what wrong they do to people. They don't care who they get over. All they care about is their money and themselves. That's why I don't believe this. They're talking about Christians because Christians are not going to act like this. I'm sure there's some Christians, quote unquote, Christians who may act like this in some instances. But the point is, this should not mark us as believers of Jesus Christ. So as I close things, uh, you know, I want to just mention that. Because of our flesh, we are all prone to selfishness. We battle selfishness every single day. I know I do. I know every single day I struggle with selfishness. Every single day I struggle with if I'm going to do what I want to do or do what God wants me to do. And I always have to crucify my flesh because I still got that sinful nature inside of me. We're all prone to pursue riches. We're all prone to uh, pursue the things of the world, especially when we're tempted by Satan to forsake the things of God and dive all in for the things of this world. Nothing is inherently wrong, as I've just told you all, with being rich. But what is wrong is allowing the rich to become your God to the point to where you ignore God. You ignore the needs of others, especially when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and you ignore the warning of the coming judgment for uh, living your life for riches. The gospel calls us to do something, you guys. Jesus calls us in Matthew 6, 33, go to the last slide. He calls us to do this, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Jesus promises that when we do that, all he will take care pretty much of all of our needs. When we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will take care of us uh, in that regard. The gospel calls us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and so where we get saved, we have a whole new perspective on the things of this world, that they're only temporary. 
that they are not to be gods that control me, small G-O-D, you know, but that they are for whatever the money is or whatever it is that God gives me should serve the purpose for me of glorifying God. That's why we give to the glory of God. You know, that's why we eat to the glory of God. When it comes to all the created things, we're not to worship those things. We're to be presenting them as an offering to the Lord and letting the Lord decide what to do with our money or what to do with our life and all that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? For we see them in the proper perspective and that they are all meaningless without God. We should not spend our life being controlled by the American dream. You know, hey, nothing's you know, inherently wrong with the American dream. But if you pursue the American dream and, and ignore the will of God for your life, you're in sin. You're in rebellion against God. I know we're taught pursue the American dream and all that kind of stuff. Nothing, like I said, is inherently wrong with that. But it is something wrong with that when you replace God, when that replaces God in your life and you're not concerned about his will. So my hope and prayer is that you truly uh, that the more you walk with the Lord and the more that you your desires of the Lord become the desires of your heart, that God would truly show you how earthly treasures are nothing in comparison to not only knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but also in comparison about the riches that are coming to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Earthly temporary pleasures are fleeting. They're temporary and they do not last forever. But what will last forever is the things that you do in this life that count for the Lord Jesus Christ by which you will receive a reward in heaven for. Don't waste your life on riches. Don't waste your life on the things of this world. Submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and waste your life. If you are, you're, you're not wasting your life by doing this, but make your life all about Jesus and his will. And you won't have to worry about um, letting the fleeting t- pleasures of this world drag you away. When you're walking with God, you will be able to be stand firm against the things of this world. That's my point that I want to share with you. So I hope you guys got some out of the message today about how true Christians store our treasures in heaven over earthly treasures. And my hope and prayer is that as a result of what James told us in this passage, that we would pursue Jesus Christ and treasures in heaven more than we pursue the things of this world. Yeah, take this thing. It says, it says, uh, it says, 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 it says